Hello, world, and welcome to episode 22 of the Pink Bike Podcast. I'm Mike Levy, your host, as usual. Today, we're talking about if your riding style matches your personality. And as usual, I have James. James, you're going to read the news, but first, how's it going today? Yeah, good, thank you. You rode some bikes on the weekend? I rode a curly bar bike, yeah. That counts. That counts. We also have Sarah Moore with us. Sarah, how's it going today? And did you ride bikes? Yeah, I've been in Revy for the long weekend, so I rode all the bicycles for three days. Nice. And as always, Casimir, how many times did you ride bikes? I rode three bikes in three days. Three rides, three days, something like that. Yeah. Three different again. bikes? Two different bikes. I was testing, but I mean, I was just riding too. So yeah, yeah, both. But yeah, I rode a lot like usual. Okay. All right. Still not ski season. I'll let you know once that ski season comes, we'll switch it up. Uh, it's coming too soon. <laughs> I got a question for you guys. Do you guys think your riding style matches your personality? Yes or no? Yeah, mine sort of does. Yeah. Yeah? I think so. If you, Casimir, if you had to use one word, what would you use to describe your riding style? Superior. Superior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kaz. <laughs> <laughs> to you. Yes. I wanted these three words, but I couldn't get the other one too. <laughs> You could just hashtag it, superior to Levy. Yeah, uh, yeah. mine's pretty calculated. Yeah, like con- confident, I guess. Yeah. What about you, James? Uh, maybe like reserved. Whatever the opposite of rad is, that's what mine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Unrad. Okay. Okay. There's some merits to that, Sarah. What what word would you use to describe your riding style? I feel like it depends if there's a like I'm between race safe or not. You know, I feel like I just, ride very differently. You're just riding. You're out for a ride. Actually, you know what? I'm going to pick for you. It's giggly. Yeah, I giggle a lot. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Or sing or laugh on the way down. Yeah. Except when I'm racing. Although sometimes then I talk to myself, like, regardless of, you know, they're being race safe or not. I have heard you chirping away for sure during rides we've done together. Yeah. You know where I am. I just want to make sure that people know that, you know, I'm still here. I haven't crashed. Like, you don't need to call 911 yet. (laughs) Right. Kazmer, what word would you use to describe my riding style? I think chaotic. Oh, chaotic. Yeah. I'm going to take Re- that as a reckless. Compliment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. reckless every once in a while, but somehow you pull it off. We'll talk about more as well, we go on. We're going to talk yeah. about that down the road here. But first, James, tell us about the news. Sure. Um, we've kicked off Across the Pond Beaver, which is our second virtual trade show of the year. And that means uh, new bikes, new tech, everything like that. Um, so we'll start with, I guess, probably the biggest bike of the week, which is the new Trek Slash. Um, we spotted it at the EWS last weekend, um, and while there wasn't a full review Monday morning, uh, we did uh, have a first look at it uh, later in the week. Uh, so on the outside, I guess you'd say kind of very little seems to have changed. It kind of looks pretty similar as a blueprint, but um, you know, there's been like a geometry revamp. There's an increase in travel. There's a revision of knock block, and you can even take it out now. And there's a burrito box snack holder down tube storage thing. Um, Kaz, how have you been getting on with this bike? Yeah, I've been enjoying it. I like the last slash, and so this one's kind of a nice uh, update to it. You know, it's longer and slacker and all those things, but they didn't go crazy. I wouldn't say it's it is more just a revision rather than like a drastic overhaul. But it's good, big and solid, and it's been pretty fun taking on some shuttle laps and bigger, rowdier rides. Um, yeah, plus it's got s- snack storage. Where do you stand on knockblock? I didn't have too much trouble with it in the initial one, but like there were a few times where I would encounter it. So it was seemed a little bit silly. And now this new one, it'd be, you won't hit it now. Even if you have it on, like you'd have to go on the steepest switchback ever to even encounter it. Cause you have 
like 20 more degrees of rotation in each direction. So it's like 72 degrees. So you, there wouldn't be a trail where you would really encounter it. So um, it's good to see they changed it. And the nice thing is it's removable. So you can just pull it off and have a normal, normal non-knock block bike. Casimir, it sounds like I don't get to complain about knock block anymore. No, I don't think you can. <laughs> and it's, you know, Thanks. like when it is on there, now that it doesn't really impede your steering more than it needs to, it is kind of a nice feature. Say you were in a race or just ride and you crash, like it could technically help save your brake levers and things. So, yeah. Any changes as far as suspension goes on that bike? Yeah, it's got a new, um, of course it's Trek, so it's a proprietary shock that's available on the higher end models. It's a super deluxe ultimate from rock shocks, but basically it's almost the internals of their deluxe inline shock. So it's got some cool little things going in there. It's pretty adjustable. You can adjust the negative air spring volume as well as positive air spring volume. Uh, you got three low speed compression adjustments and the overall tune. I've been super impressed with how the, how the tune feels of that shock. Like I haven't had to mess with it. It just feels how you would want a bike like this to feel. Um, so yeah, they, they worked hard on that. It's got that through shaft. They got rid of reactive. There's no reactive. Um, that was that Penske technology. So yeah, they're always tweaking that, but also the good news on that too, you can run a regular off the shelf shock on this bike and that would work just fine too. I thought the, uh, the numbered rebound on that was, was pretty cool as well. Yeah, it's pretty clever. It's one of those things kind of like the sag uh, gradients on the shock shaft. It's like, it seems like everybody should do it, but, um, yeah, it's got numbered rebounds. It makes it easy for someone setting their bike and be like, Oh, I run three clicks rebound and it'll actually say three clicks. Maybe nobody else can do it because they patented numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, Talk I mean, the sag, the sag, yeah, the sag gradient is that reason. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Rebound. yeah, it's it could be whoever thinks of it first and gets that patent application in. So. Those I'm sag gradients letters. on the sanction tubes, those are my favorite things. They make so much sense. They're so nice. That. Especially on shocks, like setting sag on a shock without that is kind of a pain. And coil shocks with the sag gradient is the best. Yeah. But, but anyways, yeah, uh, good addition to Trex lineup. There were complaints, and I griped a little bit about the C tube angle not being steep enough. But that's a topic for another day. I'm tired of talking about seat angles, but move on. Um, yeah. So the another new bike this week uh, was from Privateer, who have sort of broken through this year and positioned themselves as sort of a budget uh, brand with kind of bulletproof bikes. Um, Kaz, you seem to get on well with the one six one earlier, but it's probably a pretty niche offering. You know, sort of. It's got pretty out there geometry. It's, it's pretty heavy. It's probably only for that racer crowd. Um, so now there's a 141 millimeter travel version. Um, the geometry is pretty similar, but a bit less uh, aggressive. It's lost a bit of weight. Um, do you think this could appeal to maybe a broader range of people? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like you said, not everybody wants to have just that full big enduro sled. Um, but this one has similar angles, but a little less travel. Probably make it feel a little bit easier to pop around um yeah i think it's a good tactic like kind of similar vein to that like comments all has that meta tr and the meta am one's like a 140 one's 160 bike but kind of similar geometry but enough differences that you can kind of pick what fits you the best which one would you choose Cass? uh i'd probably Where go you live? yeah i'd probably go 141 yeah like the trails around here do get rowdy but i can usually hit them on something with a little less travel and then when i do need to pedal um yeah i've been liking that meta tr that's what's making me think of this because that Meta TR is great and it's 140, 160. So I kind of like that style of bike. Whole bunch of aluminum, eh? A lot of aluminum. Yeah. And I don't think this privateer would be any less aluminum either. So <laughs> yeah, getting strong. Uh, and then the third um, new bike we saw this week was the new or the updated Marin Alpen Trail. Um, I mean, it's it's a pretty similar philosophy, I guess. It's aluminium. It's, it's on the budget end of things. It's 150, um, pretty aggressive too. Um, 
yeah, it looks like another another offering in, in that sort of ballpark. I mean, it's good to see. I think that, you know, it's nice to see the geometry numbers are, I don't want to say trickling down, but like more and more companies are figuring out proper geometry, at least in my mind, for these for these bikes. And the price on Marin looks really good. Um, even the highest end one, I think, was like $3,500 with a killer part spec. So it's it's great. Uh, moving on from bikes then, um, we talked about Trek's numbered uh, rebound dial. Um, so another brand hoping to make suspensions at Beezer is, is Cane Creek with their new Kitsuma Shock. And they've changed the way the adjustments work, basically. So they're all tool-free now, uh, and the entire range of adjustments is within one rotation. So I guess instead of counting clicks, you'd say my rebound's at three o'clock or something. Each position kind of makes more difference, so it's a bit more meaningful. Um, and the whole goal of this is trying to stop people messing up uh, their own suspension settings um do you think that's that's something that'll work yeah i think i think it makes a whole bunch of sense king creek used to kind of have a bad rep for sort of super complicated hard to understand shocks but at the same time they've always offered the most comprehensive help when it comes to setup with their they had that online tool that all the the app with all the recommended settings and all this stuff but the fact that you had to use a tool to make those adjustments it definitely turned some people off um, so yeah, I see this, this making a whole lot of sense. I think having each adjustment, um, be more meaningful. So maybe a, uh, less fine clicks is another big thing. Um, it's just less confusing when there's, when there's four turns instead of 30 turns or whatever it is, it's, I think people will definitely appreciate that. I did think it was kind of funny in their press release. They had a, an animation that showed all the dials just spinning and it looked so confusing because there's like four <laughs> dials good. plus a lever just moving. I was like, I don't think that's any easier. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it is nice. Does it not need to take the tool out? So we'll see. I, we have, I have one on the way, I think to uh, check it out. So get a review going on that. What bike are you going to be putting that on Kaz? Do you know yet? Um, it'll probably go on a, maybe on that meta TR or something else. I got it in a pretty common 210 by 55 length. So I can put it on a couple bikes, but uh, probably start out on that meta. And then I've got another bike that we'll probably go on too. Nice. We um, didn't get any info about this, but it looks like Intend are bringing out a new fork. Intend, obviously famous for their uh, inverted forks, but this one looks like it could be a more regular um, style. Um, so we saw it on two custom builds, one from the European Bike Project uh, and one from Flowrider, who are their Swiss distributor. Um, it looks to be a long travel 29er fork. Um, and you know, coming from Intend, it's probably going to be a, a pretty impressive piece of engineering. Um, why do you think they went with a more traditional layout this time? Because it's better. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> probably. And easier to sell, probably, too. The the inverted forks look interesting, but uh, there's not as much. I'd say there's some consumer hesitation from some people because the amount of flex that's just inherent with that design. Um, so I think a lot of people that are looking for a traditional layout now Intend will have something to offer them. Because you rode one of those things, didn't you? The inverted one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aside uh, it was from, cool. Yeah, aside from the flex, tell me about tell me about the spring and damper. Was that was that thing a good fork? It was a good fork. Yeah, it felt super plush and comfy and like the adjustments worked and kind of some interesting little it almost has that sort of homemade feel, but with a like a homemade by an engineer. So it's it's kind of interesting, you know, like little tweaks and things. So yeah, we can see how this one. I mean, it's not going to be cheap. Intense products aren't very inexpensive, but it's another high-end single crown fork. Probably sit in there with the uh, that EXT fork that came out this year. So good to see more players come out. So moving away from Pombeva, um, 
Unfortunately, we heard that Rampage uh, is going to be cancelled this week. Um, it's the latest kind of big ticket event to go. Uh, it sounds like a combination of travel restrictions and athletes' concerns around the logistics of the event. Um, it's probably just can't come together this year. Uh, and we also saw the EWS cancelling some events in October. Um, so let's hope World Cups do happen. Otherwise, it'll be a pretty short race season this year. Do you guys remember when Rampage didn't happen every year and it was like this big, crazy buildup where it was like, holy shit, Rampage is coming. Like, dun, dun, dun. I want that again. And I think maybe taking a year or two off, I don't think it's going to be a bad thing. Yeah, I think that's going to be the same with everything. Like when all the racing comes back and everything's back to normal, I think we'll appreciate it a bit more, won't we? So it'll be good. Um, I guess making up for that slightly as well was Tom Van Steenbergen's Wild West video. Some absolutely insane stuff in there. Um, definitely says something that there was a Seminook video this week and, you know, Tom's video took all the uh, attention. Um, did you guys watch that? What do you think? Yeah, it was ridiculous. That front Was it manual or front flip on the little like on-off tilted thing? I know, it was crazy. How did you get so good? <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Tom, how did you get so good? <laughs> Yeah, and then there's one where he overshot the landing by like 400 feet. So, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's worth watching. If anyone hasn't seen it, uh, watch Wild West. Yeah, where have you been hiding under a rock this whole week? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my other favorite video this week was your tire explosion video, Mike. <laughs> um, that was less successful than Tom's <laughs> video. <laughs> yeah. Success in a different way. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I thought that would be easy. I thought we would get that going and we would get some sort of explosive uh, result, but nope, not so much. I don't want to, uh, I don't know, I don't want to do you down, but someone has posted a link in the YouTube comments of someone, someone doing it successfully. Yeah, no, I'm. this is one video article. I'm actually not going to re- read or look at any comments. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, be, you shouldn't. They're not. I think it's a lot of people. Yeah, I think a lot of people yeah. being like, look at this idiot. <laughs> yeah, lots of people think they're smarter than you, but yeah. hopefully they send you videos of them doing it. <laughs> yeah, they, no, they, defi- they definitely are. We don't are. want them to do that. <laughs> That's no, don't send videos, but definitely send videos. But don't. <laughs> don't, but if you do send a video, definitely do send it to me. But don't send a video. But if you do, definitely do send it. <laughs> to me yes <laughs> i um i don't think it worked because i needed to get way more stuff inside the tire and then i also needed to get my flame inside the tire and i kept breaking those lighters that i was putting in there so mm-hmm. i'm gonna have another go yeah it's a good use of your time <laughs> <laughs> brian our boss told me to do that so there no, you go I, I was not joking i think you should be doing those things oh okay <laughs> maybe not when it's like super windy and like crazy high fire danger because that might be dangerous yeah. <laughs> parking lot middle of a parking lot you'll be fine yeah go in walmart parking lot <laughs> um one last news thing i'll say then is uh get well soon to marine cabaret who tested positive for corona this week um she's hoping to be back racing by world champs and yeah Hope she's uh, she's over the virus soon. Is she the first racer, mountain bike personality that we know that's had it, that's caught it? Yeah, that we know of. Yeah, yeah. Don't think we know anyone else. But. I think there's some cross country racers, maybe like Ann Terpster or something. I can't remember exactly who it was, but somebody did say earlier on in like March or April that they caught it. But we haven't seen a lot of high profile athletes say that you know I've got coronavirus. So are they keeping quiet about it or are they just? You know, haven't got it. Being extra careful. 
I imagine they're they're really hoping to go race bikes and you know do their job and stuff. So they're probably being real careful about it. Mm. Yeah. All right, let's move on to questions. And the first one is from PB user. Oh boy, Muhadib. Muadib, let's say. Question for next episode. What is going on with the specialized status? What do y'all know about it? And is specialized ever going to give it a wide release or put it on their website? Casimir, what do you know about this thing? Well, everything you'd want to know, prices and geometry and all that stuff. They specialized just decided to try a different marketing tactic, basically, and kind of see initially by just giving it to kind of people that wouldn't be normally associated with mountain biking. So BMXers, I think Chase Hawk had one, um, some other I don't want to use the word influencer, but we'll say influencers. And then just random people on the street basically ended up with this bike, um, which is fine. It's a way to market a bike, but it is kind of annoying that we don't get to try it out and write about it and compare it to other bikes. Um, we'll probably get one in eventually, but uh, there's a lot of other new bikes that are a lot easier for us to get our hands on. And that's kind of fine. We'll just go with those. Um, yeah. You can buy the bike in bike shops now. I think the local shop here in town has a few kicking around. Um, so they kind of just did like a smaller release just to, I think they're just trying different things. So. Yeah, I wonder if Corona has anything to do with it. Maybe there aren't a ton of them, a ton of the bikes. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, but we did run that article like a couple of weeks ago that told all the basically all the details of it if people are interested. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll probably get one eventually. Maybe in our budget uh, bike field test or something that could fit in there. All right, moving on. Lisa152, she wants to know, have any of us got jealous over a bike that another editor had? Casimir, have you ever looked at a bike I've had and been like, I wish I got that? Yeah, sometimes. I Even right now, I'd like that Epic Evo. If you still have it, you should send me it. Yeah, it's uh, really good. Yeah. You're not um, going to get it either. Get your own. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so stuff like that does happen. I mean, luckily, we all get to test pretty cool bikes most of the year. So it's yeah, it's kind of... And we do once... A lot of times, we will just trade sometimes. Like if Levy had something I really wanted, I would probably could get it eventually. Same for him. But. Yeah. You had that EXT fork. Mm-hmm. That... I yeah, I, I was jealous. Maybe you should send me that and I'll send you the specialist. I'll trade, yeah. That's yeah, that's a pretty fair. good trade. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send I'll you a complete bike for a fork. Yeah. 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 it on this barter. No, I, I, I got other bikes to ride. Yeah. Let's talk after this. We'll make it. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. You know what else I wanted? Dan has that, uh, Dan Sapp has that rotor hydraulic drivetrain. That's yeah. bullshit. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although it sounds, yeah, I don't want to bleed a drivetrain, but I do want to see, like, feel how it shifts and ride it and stuff. So I want to bleed a drivetrain. I want to mess around with it. It sounds pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, what about you? The stuff that Casimir and I have, are you ever like, can I have some of that? None of my bikes had dropper posts except for one of the field tests. So, you know, I definitely had a little dropper post envy there. (laughs) But luckily, I, I remembered how to ride bikes without a dropper post. It wasn't the end of the world, but yeah. There's a couple days, especially when it was like pretty wet, that I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm on the right bike for this trail. But um, yeah, I mean, you guys get to yeah test a lot of cool stuff. So um, yeah, but you guys are really good at, you know, seeing the differences between all the different stuff because you test such a, a large amount of uh, different bikes. So um, yeah, there's it not feels really like too many. Yeah, it's also like <laughs> it's quite hard work, you know. It's like to <laughs> whenever I do a bike review, I'm like, okay, glad I don't have to do one of those every single month like you guys do. So yeah, um, you know, there's like some envy when you get the really cool project, and then there's also the like, oh well, I don't really want to have to go out and take photos of that, and you know, compare it to all the other bikes I've ever ridden in my life in my life, and go out and yeah, every ride you're kind of thinking about the bike that you're on too. Right. You know, I'll I'll add to that actually. 
from my perspective, Sarah, sometimes I'm jealous that you get to go out on the same bike every single day and you know exactly what it's going to do. You know, you're familiar with it. Yeah. yeah. I, re- I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Like I have a couple <laughs> test bikes that come in and out, like some women's bikes and a couple other, you know, maybe yeah. 650 e-bikes. I don't know if you guys maybe, you know, give those I don't to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I enjoy riding those, but it's kind of like the novelty is not worn off yet of doing not yeah, a, a different bike every single month. Yeah, All right. I definitely get jealous in the morning meetings whenever you guys say, oh yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm testing bikes today. And then there's the days where you say, oh, I'm boxing and sending up bikes today. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like balance that. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, say that often. <laughs> all right. Mikey MT, he wants to know, is it worth having a DH bike these days with all the long travel, single crown fork options, Casimir? I'm going to say no. And I know right now there's some guy that's like, I'm going to put a dual oh, crown fork on my enduro bike and it's going to be the best ever. And dual crown enduro forks are the future. And I'm going to say they're not. We'll see if I'm wrong, but I'm going to kind of put a hard stance and say dual crown enduro forks are not the future. But as far as if you should have a downhill bike, I'd say it just kind of depends what you're into. Like if I was going to be riding the bike park a lot, I would still probably have a downhill bike just because they, they're bigger, burlier, and there's no getting around the fact that that dual crown fork does feel nice. And we're just smashing through stuff. But if you can only have one bike or maybe even two bikes, I don't think a DH bike's really worth it. You can build up a super stout enduro or long travel thing and be fine. Yeah, these the latest enduro bikes, they are so damn capable. Like I would, if I'm going, Whistler's just down the road. And if I'm going to Whistler and I could choose either a full-on DH bike or some sort of enduro bike, I would definitely pick the enduro bike. Is that weird? Mm-hmm. A little, what would not, you, it's not weird. They've got, I would pick a downhill bike if I like had two and I just had to ride one all day and I'm riding lifts at Whistler. I like the downhill bike there, but I wouldn't be sad to be on an enduro bike at all. Like I wouldn't even really miss it so i think that's that line between them has definitely gotten uh less distinct i kind of like have, being used to one bike if, if i ride an enduro bike all the time then i go in the park and i ride that same bike and i kind of like not having to switch back and forth and uh just ride the bike you're used to that being said if you shuttle a lot i think a downhill bike would be great because um yeah you can just like destroy a carbon um enduro bike pretty easily if you're shuttling so i think if i shuttled a lot i would like have an extra bike and just well you have an aluminum bike because they make carbon downhill bikes remember yeah yeah, yeah. destroy those two shuttling <laughs> shuttling yeah. just that for everything <laughs> just have a bike that you destroy if you shuttle a lot. yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's what i would yeah if i was riding park a lot i would have a kind of a more budget downhill bike and just smash that all season and have a nicer pedaling bike casimir mm-hmm. do you think you'd be faster on a downhill bike down a trail like Schlayer? um maybe it'd be pretty close there are definitely trails that was so that'd be faster on a downhill bike yes I think. for sure yeah like but uh it just kind of depends how much you can like pump and pedal or whatever but yeah 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 all right casimir speaking of pumping and pedaling that sort of brings us to our discussion or maybe our argument so back in october of last year in 2019 I wrote an op-ed and it was called, Does Your Riding Style Match Your Lifestyle? And I sort of wanted to extend that a little bit and ask, if you're loose on the trail, are you loose in real life? Or if you're if you're solid in real life, if you're that guy who's super responsible, are you like that on the trail too? And I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Kaz? I think there's some merit to that article. Yeah, like I definitely know people that are kind of wild on the trail and in real life, they're pretty wild too. And I think it goes both ways. But then there's some people that surprise you, obviously. Like there's people that are, 
super common real life. And then you ride with them. You're like, oh, holy crap, this person is crazy, but good. Yeah, we can start with you. Should we pull you apart and see? Oh, God. You could if you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I feel mean, like this is inevitable. <laughs> yeah. Like in real life, you're kind of a little bit of an oddball, like all of us, but you're kind of quirky. And then on the trail, your riding style is different too. It's like loose and it's like it looks out of control. And I think you're going to die a lot, but you don't ever die. Well, I'm just so, going to knock on some wood over here. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and you also drive that mini around and probably feel like you're going to die driving that sometimes. So that's I think accurate. Kind of even. Yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. I'm just going for consistency throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. You're consistently chaotic, I think. Is- yeah, I think I think that makes sense. Yeah. Sarah, you're an interesting one, though. In real life, you are probably one of the happiest, po- most positive people that I've met. And you're like that on the trail, too. But you're also such a ridiculously solid rider. I don't, sometimes I just don't expect you to be so, any person I know that shreds as hard as you do doesn't giggle as much. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. When Sarah rides down gnarly things, she's just laughing and giggling and you're like on her wheel, like, huh, wait, I, I need to focus. <laughs> she's just like <laughs> laughing away. Like, no, 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 It just comes naturally. You know, some people, uh, I don't know, have to be quiet to focus. Maybe I just have to like make noise to be focused. Yeah. Some people go to like a loud coffee shop to work and. Other people need silence. Maybe I just need to laugh to feel like I'm in the moment. I don't know. Sometimes it happens. Yeah, like I don't actually even notice that I'm making sounds going down a trail. And somebody was like, that was so fun riding with you. You were like giggling the whole way down. And I was like, really? <laughs> so yeah. Maybe, no, I'm silent. I don't make any noise when I ride. If I no. do anything, it's like, I'll go, <laughs> and that's it. That's like my noise. And that means I did something like really scary and pulled it off. <laughs> Sarah, I, th- I have an idea. I have a theory. You're being positive. Because you are, you know, thinking positive. What do, what do those people say? You're, um, you know, when you like, you're, you're thinking about something and you're, you're trying to make it happen with your mind. Like visualize success. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sarah is visualizing the success. I definitely think- did that. There was this drop <laughs> that I wanted to do this weekend and I, I actually stopped ahead of it and I visualized myself doing the drop and then I did it and I did not giggle until after the drop was over. Ooh. That's a serious drop then. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah, what about when you're out on a ride and things go south? Not every ride is going to be amazing. What happens when you're on a ride and it turns to shit and it's pouring and you didn't bring a jacket or you break something, you have to walk out. You have shit. So bodies. I would say I usually <laughs> would bring more than I need. I'm always the person who's like riding with a fanny pack on like a beautiful day. Um so I probably would have a jacket if it was going to be cold. That being okay, said... Wait, wait. I just want to know, could you just tell me that you've had a bad ride? <laughs> can you just say you've Yeah, I'd say I get cold pretty easily. So like the like fall, early spring, like those like muddy, cold rides that Cad seems to thrive on. Like, yeah, some of those rides, I'm definitely not as chipper. But... I do try to keep a positive outlook because <laughs> it doesn't this make anything better. <laughs> yeah. I try not to drag it out of Sarah like some sort of terrible ride she's had. And I just wanted to find out if she's able to maintain this positive, uplifting attitude. Well, I think it's like, it's the mindset, right? If you are actually convincing yourself that it's not as bad as it is, then it does help make it not as bad. That being said, I have like gone out and cried on rides because that was, you know, 
sad. I couldn't do something. I think I was just on the wrong bike. And I remember I, when I first started working at Norco, they have this rule where you can't buy a bike for the first three months that you work at the company. So I was on probation and I didn't own a mountain bike. So I would borrow the bikes from the test fleet. And I think I went out on like a revolver and I was like new to riding in Squamish. And I rode Crouching Squirrel Hidden Monkey, which is like, now I can do it like very easily. But at the time I was like, oh, this is quite a technical trail. And I just remember getting to the bottom and like bursting out in tears and being like, I can't ride bikes. This is the worst day ever. (laughs) So I'd say that's like one of my yeah top moments of like having a breakdown on a bike. So yeah, usually ends in tears, not in like anger or frustration, I would say. Yeah. Not too much I, bike throwing. Have you ever thrown a bike, Sarah? Uh, I feel like that only happens if you don't actually own the bike. I feel like it's a bad idea to throw a bike that you own. Uh, I mean, it happens. <laughs> throw somebody else's bike. bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guarantee, Casimir, am I am I right in saying that once a month there's an incident where you're like, you like are almost maximum angry you know like where you might you might take a swing at a tree but you don't you know once a month seems a lot i'm pretty neutral i don't it takes a lot to get me angry but i've definitely had moments where i have thrown bikes i don't do that very often but like if you you bump your head like that makes you really mad sometimes or like if something just makes you so angry yeah Yeah, bump your head but that's like i don't usually do that on a bike and get angry but like if like a door or something with your head that used to make me really angry that's i guess i throw tools more than anything Mm. I would say, love to yeah. see you angry, Kaz. We're going yeah, off on a tangent here, but I would love to see you swear and throw. I've never seen you angry and lose it. I, it's really, really rare. Like something bad, like super bad would have to happen to make me fully yeah. angry. In in a lot of ways, when we ride together, it's very much the same thing. You're, you are, you're controlled. You are usually on the best line, possibly like the main line, and you're going quick. You're always in control of your emotions, Casimir, and you're in control of your bike. I just shove everything down deep inside and I just <laughs> stay neutral. <laughs> so you're a guy. I feel like this is psychoanalysis 101. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. yeah, it fits. Like my riding style is pretty, you know, I love, I love going fast. I like hitting big jumps and technical trails and stuff. But uh, I do, I don't, it's rare that I have a moment where I'm just say like, oh, screw it. I'm going to go for it. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll kind of know that I have it usually. You have some big crashes. You definitely Mm -hmm. have some big crashes. Yeah. But like, I'm not going on easy trails all the time either. You know, like I'm not afraid to ride. What are you saying? Uh, Easier than me. Yeah. (laughs) 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 You're going to revisit that one word, that superior to Levy hashtag again. Your wheels don't go quite as high off the ground these days, I would say. Back back in the old days, we were probably more on the similar page, but you're more, you've gone down country. It's all right. Yeah. 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 Do we know anybody who's quiet and unassuming off the bike, but loud and crazy on the bike? James, can you think of anybody? I feel like that's most races, isn't it? I feel like uh, they're pretty mellow until they uh, have that kind of go switch. And then, yeah, they're like the fastest on the planet, right? Look at, I don't know, uh, someone like Danny Hart, who's pretty chill and, and on a level. And then he goes and, yeah, drifting corners, blowing up berms, like one of the fastest guys on the planet. Mm-hmm. yeah he is pretty mellow I, and i have a story i first met Yoan borelli here in bellingham he was on like a big mega group ride somehow he had, i think he had just came over to north america and nobody knew the guy and he rode with us for eight hours and was super quiet and like barely talked 
whoa, which whoa, yeah. and that's Yoa. And I was like, so that was the first encounter with him. But then I feel like a little while after that, I, I saw some of his videos, like the old videos he did, where he's just I mean, he was just as wild in those videos, but they're in French. And I was like, what is going on? This is a different guy. But it was pretty funny. He, I don't know if he just was intimidated language by all the people barrier. or language barrier back then. He didn't speak English as well. But yeah, my first encounter with him I was like, oh, this guy's really quiet, but not anymore. <laughs> he's That's hilarious. Not quiet. Nobody would yeah. describe you and probably as quiet now. No, I definitely wouldn't now. But. <laughs> I feel like his writing style definitely matches his personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very like out there. Yeah, there are far more examples of personalities matching writing style. Like even if we look at look at Semenuk. He's a pretty quiet, unassuming, polite guy off the bike. And on the bike, he's doing these ridiculous things. But look at like the precision. Everything is dialed. There isn't too much flair. There's just, you know, the right amount, you know? Yeah. Hey, look at Rogakin. Like he does those finish line little like punches in the air and kind of goes crazy. And then you look at him ride. He's doing like 30 spins in a row. And you're like, yeah, it kind of matches. Like it seems like the guy just drinks a gallon of energy drink and then goes nuts. And it, hey. like, it's not a bad strategy. I know. That's your job. <laughs> like you might as well. <laughs> it's interesting when you see people like in one sport and then cross over to another sport. And I feel like the same people who kind of seek those thrills in, you know, one sport might also seek it in another sport. So if you get like a skier who comes over into mountain biking, they kind of have a if they're like a pro skier, they'll have a higher level of risk tolerance, maybe, or like that adrenaline and enjoy it. And then they'll be like really good at mountain biking. Um, so it's kind of in their personality, I guess that they're, you know, like risk across all sports. Yeah. And some of that comes down to like line choice and knowing like just mountain gravity sports. Like, I feel like if you know how to ski, you'd be just fine at mountain biking, even if you've never done it. And the same thing, it translates like super quickly. Casimir, I went skiing once. It does not translate. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you're different. (laughs) Pizza, French fries, pizza, French fries. (laughs) You probably look similar on skis you do on a bike, though, just like going crazy and like tumbling. (laughs) Um, I wrote about a guy in that op-ed, my buddy Gary, not his real name, who is a wild man in real life on and off the bike. Casimir, do you know anybody like that who just like they seem to like barely hold it together in real life. And it's like that on the bike as well, too. I think we all know a few people like that. Yeah, I've got a buddy that he runs a pretty loose program, but he manages to hold it together. But like you watch him ride and you're like, how is he going sideways and straight at the same time? And like he'll show up to a ride with just like a whole like, like his supplies aren't what you would bring for a ride. Like maybe a lot of beer and a lot of weed. And that's like, <laughs> that's all his family. Like a just filled with. crescent wrench and a hacksaw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah. This kind of ride, <laughs> but then he pulls it off. So, and his real life, I mean, he's, he's, yeah, his, his real life is a little bit more together than his riding, but overall you're like, how does this all stay together in one thing? But it works out for him. So. Yeah. It's fun, fun to ride with him. I think it's good to have those people that are a little out there and a little looser. Like I wouldn't want to ride with everybody that was just like me because it'd be boring like i want to see somebody that's going doing weird things trying weird lines like hopping around like i think that's what's that's what's great about mountain biking you can you don't have to ride the same way we're not just making left turns on an asphalt track it's pretty yeah i'd agree like a trail it sounds corny to say it it is corny to say it but like everybody interprets that trail differently and you're going to be in one spot i'm going to be in another spot sarah's going to be in another spot probably giggling i'll probably be swearing casimir will be doing it right James, what are you doing? I'm about 100 meters behind, I think. Okay. <laughs> I think it's really fun to ride with. I actually enjoy riding with people who are like the same, who ride the same way as me. Like I think coming from cross-country riding, I have a couple friends who also come from cross-country riding and like have very precise 
line choice and um like I was writing with my friend Sophianne and Golden and just like following her lines exactly and that trust when you're like this writer is almost exactly the same as me and I guess maybe for guys there's more people that you can ride with who are very similar ability to you nobody says that to me no (laughs) (laughs) No. nobody nobody says hey Levy let me follow you (laughs) no definitely not (laughs) I love like having that like solid line and just like that trust with somebody who is like really similar to your writing ability and it doesn't happen that often for me but yeah when it happens I'm just like yeah I can I can trust you it's cool for me Sarah the times we've written together I have to say they've been a blast because I'm 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 always trying to go too fast and take it too serious, you know? And when I ride with you, you're just like laughing and having fun and making like strange squirrel noises in front of me. And I'm like, oh, it's okay to laugh and have fun. It doesn't have to be serious. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. And when I've ridden with Levy, he's behind me just yelling things, just like heckling and just the very loud rides with Levy. He yells a lot of things. I'm giving you line suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> take, like, take the other line. <laughs> I I just love it when we were filming and yeah i would like ride down the trail get you know the video or photo shot and then you would come down after and like inevitably wherever i stood on the trail it just felt like the wrong place like i was like levy is gonna run me over again like <laughs> never actually got run over but it was like quite terrifying but yeah. yeah you never took the line that i thought you were going to kind of i'll take that as a compliment sarah thanks <laughs> All right, let's move on to comment gold. And the first one comes from Mikey MT again. He sure comments a lot. I like that. He's very consistent. There was an article titled Cool Stuff from Eurobike That Never Made It Big. Uh, Mikey MT noticed that I get excited about all sorts of weird stuff. He wants, he suggests that the article should be retitled Cool Stuff from Eurobike That Never Made It Big, but that Mike Levy really wanted it to. That's probably fair. Water breaks, were you into them? Uh, no, I think I tested those. That was Break Force One, those yeah. water breaks. I yeah. tested those. That might have been eight years ago or something. They did not work. Anyways, noses. He says, Jesse's POV from EWS Zermit video. He says, very slippery. But in Jesse's case, the bike seemed to only slip forward. It never works out like that for me, Casimir. <laughs> no, me neither. Well, sometimes more than you. But yeah, he did good at slipping forward. <laughs> there wasn't yeah. much sideways there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the last comment from, it's from YouTube, Proto KJ. He says, Mike Levy looks like if Linus Tech Tips and Seth Bikax had a child. Hey, <laughs> I don't, th- I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't think- know who Linus Tech Tips is. Should I look? Do you know who that is? No. I wanna, I wanna yeah, I, actually, yeah. I've seen, I've seen the thumbnail on YouTube. He does. Oh yeah. If him and Seth did have a child, it could be you. I could see it. A 40-year-old yeah. man-child. A 40-year-old man with lots of tattoos. Casimir, okay. <laughs> should I take that as a compliment or not? Uh, I mean, I think those guys are pretty famous on the internet, so you, you should take it. I think okay. it's all right. Yeah. yeah. You're just the next, the new breed. You could be their, their child and then like take over the empire or something. Right? Is that how it works? Is this Star Wars? Where are we going? I don't know. I mean, this Linus guy, is like, it looks like he's really famous on the internet, so I think you should take it as a compliment. Okay. All right, everybody. That's it for episode 22 of the Pink Bike Podcast. Does your writing style match your personality? Let us know in the comments. We'll see you next week.